Hello and welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, and today on the podcast, we have an extra special guest. We have my sister-in-law, Lindsay Farmer. So Lindsay is a child care professional who specializes in the three to five age group, and she's worked with kids of all ages in her previous roles. Now, Today's episode very much is for parents, so not if you're not a parent that you're not welcome to listen. I think it will add a lot of value for everyone, but this is particularly for parents who are struggling with their kids at home during COVID-19. So I wanted to bring Lindsay on specifically for parents because this is a really challenging time for parents and for our children. So we start by talking about how she got into childcare how to talk to our kids about COVID-19 and sort of help them manage stress around it, mental and physical well-being, how to engage your kids during this time. I know a lot of us are like, I have no idea how to keep them occupied, as well as the value of outdoor play for both children and adults. We talk about the challenges of managing stress around your kids, um, but Lindsay also shares some really great strategies on how to manage that. And I really recommend that you follow Lindsay on Twitter. That's where you can find so many of her gems and uh, really great exercises and activities that you can do with your kids, uh, whether they're your kids or whether you're in childcare. So you can follow her on Twitter at LindsayJF. Lindsay J.F. L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y-J-F on Twitter. It's a really great episode. I had so much fun chatting with her and I don't get to talk to her as often as I would like to. Now, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. So with Pod Power, ATB is making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, we're giving a Pod Power shout out to That's Food. That's Food is a new podcast from CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. That's Food explores the backstory of food in Edmonton, one meal at a time. It's handmade with love by the University of Alberta students. And I tell you, it makes me hungry. So you can listen to That's Food on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. You can also find it at that'sfood.transistor.fm. I also want to give a shout out to a fellow Alberta Podcast Network uh, podcast. I want to talk about the Mess Hall podcast. So this is where you can join hosts Avery and Lena Cochran and sometimes guests as they sample, rate, and talk about fun foods. History and facts are discussed from treats such as flavored Oreos to pumpkin spice to types of box dressing. Listen to an amusing debate about the assessment of a different food theme each week. So their recent episodes include crunchy Asian snacks. Uh, They review some of the Dragon's Den food uh, that have appeared on that show. Uh, They talk about Pringles, green beer for St. Patrick's Day so a little bit while ago, flavored vodka, Mardi Gras, popping it with popcorn, all sorts of good things. I feel like all most of us are doing in quarantine is eating. So I feel like it's just a really great timing to listen to this podcast. So that's Mess Hall Podcast. I encourage you to go check it out. And without further ado, let's head into the interview with Lindsay. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining me on the podcast. Yay! Hi! (laughs) So, in case I didn't actually say it in your little intro, Lindsay and I are (laughs) sister-in-laws. Yay! (laughs) So, it's, uh, yeah, you're coming all the way from the, well, you're broadcasting all the way from sunny Scotland. Is it sunny right now? Yeah, 
kind of it's kind of overcast. It's not too bad. So yeah. So it's not raining, so that's a plus. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like getting stuck indoors right now, like whether it's snow or rain, is just the worst. Like we need we yeah. need outdoor time with this. Yep, definitely, yeah. definitely. So I'm really curious how you got into childcare originally. Like you're you're one of four children, so some people would say well, you were kind of built for this or like, was it a long-term yeah. goal you had or was it something you fell into? I think really I started to kind of know that I wanted to do something in childcare, maybe in about third year of school, so third, fourth year. So maybe when I was about 15, 16, um, originally I wanted to go in and be a primary school teacher. But that didn't happen because at the end of fifth year, so when I was coming up for 17, I failed maths. And that really kind of hit me quite hard because I wasn't expected to fail, and I did. Um, So then I left school and went to work in a shop for a year. And after that, and I was kind of, the thing is, I've always been quite um, determined and very focused on what I want to do. So then I worked there for a year and I thought, oh, this is great. I'm really enjoying it. And then after about six months, I wasn't enjoying it and realizing <laughs> that I was quite bored. And then at, at this time, I was already with my now husband and he kind of helped me decide to go back to college um, and study initially in childcare with the idea to go to university to do primary school teaching. But then when I was doing my my college course and things I, I realized that actually I really really have a passion for the three to five age group um, purely because I think I just found the primary school teaching a bit a bit much and there was maybe more times where you would have a class of 30 on your own and I just found that a bit scary and I, I felt it wasn't quite what what I was wanting to do so then I carried on with the nursery side of it um, finished my HNC then went to work in a nursery and then just carried on from there. And then about five years later, I went to university as a mature student to carry on and do childhood practice. And so that's that now managed to get me where I am now. Yeah, because you were nannying for a while, weren't you? Yes, yes. I was nannying for about, I think it was five, five or six years. Yeah. Um, so that was really good as well because that gave me quite a different insight um, just to ch- like childhood for like family life and understanding how kind of important these children are because I mean when you're young and when you're you're just out of college and you go to work in a nursery you don't really fully understand the importance that you've been given or the mm-hmm. the importance of the job and the task and things and then when you work more closely with a family it makes it a bit more real and you feel part of the family as well. And I, I was really lucky. I had lovely families who really looked after me um, and they also helped push me on to do other things as well. And they've always been quite supportive of that as well. So that was good. Mm-hmm. Do you think there was any influence of sort of like growing up in a large family? Did that play a role at all or? Um, I don't know. I think it's hard to tell. I know that, I, well, I think I'm more like my mum in the kind of caring sense. Um, my mum was a carer in a nursing home when I was younger. And so I think that's possibly helped go towards it. Because obviously the rest of the family, none of them are in caring jobs. They're mm-hmm. all in hospitality or like engineering and things. So mm-hmm. they're quite different. But I think 
I don't know because I mean I was the youngest of four as well. Yeah. So it wasn't even like like I was the the one who would look after it. But then I I don't know if I have always been quite caring towards my siblings as well and always wanting to like set up big like get-togethers and things with when we were younger when we'd all moved out mm-hmm. I was always quite keen for the big Christmases and and everything to still carry on but obviously it's a lot more difficult now that we're older with about a million kids <laughs> yeah like and across the country so, yeah. or across the world like it's yeah 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 because uh-huh, yeah. I mean yeah. it's not it's not as easy as it used to be yeah, so um, it's not like you were yeah. changing anyone's nappies when you were younger. No, <laughs> that would be a bit odd. Not, no. Yeah. No. So when you but did yeah. go to university as a mature student, like my mom was a mature student when she went to university, yeah. and she talks about like having absolutely loved it because she like different makeup in the classroom, obviously, because she was older, yeah. but like knowing what it was that you wanted to do. Like, what was your experience as a yeah. mature student? Yeah, I totally agree. Knowing that you have the drive to do it because you know you want to get to that point in your career. Because basically, my degree um, based my career. I basically based my career on it. Because if I didn't get my degree, I couldn't go as high as I am now. Um, so it's definitely helped in that sense. I loved being at university. I thought it was brilliant, and I did mind distance learning, so it was a bit different. But a lot of the students that were in my year were kind of similar age to me and similar um similar like parts in their career as well and they knew that they wanted to do it so they could go higher as well um, and just really fulfill the dream that they wanted to kind of lead or they wanted to be part of a team or just loads of different things and it, yeah it was really I loved it and I felt it was really empowering to have all this knowledge and to be able to do something especially with like writing essays and things which I was never very good at school um but then as soon as you have a passion for something everything just makes it much more easier um and even like reading uh books and things that were very academic initially obviously it was quite difficult but as you get more used to it it becomes easier so no I really enjoyed it and I found it really empowering um so yeah it was great (laughs) so I'm curious because like I found that a few years out of school was like out of high school was beneficial for me before going to university to figure out what I wanted. And yet so many kids are really pushed to go straight from high school or secondary school for you into college or university. Uh What would be your advice for your daughter if she's like uncertain? I would tell her to go out and work for a bit earn a bit of money, see how the world works. I think for me, it really made me appreciate being part of a team, understanding how to look after your money. Because when I was working, so I was 17, and I was so bad with money. Like I used to just spend it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was earning a lot of money because I was working crazy hours. But I used to spend it on shoes, on boots, on clothes, like going out, and I had no money at the end of the month. And I remember... My sister, so my twin sister, was still in school at that time. And I remember, obviously, I'd had all this free money, or not free money, but extra money. <laughs> and then at the end of the month, so maybe I would be like a week towards payday, and I would ask my dad for £10 to top up my phone. And I would get told a point blank, absolute no, because where has all your money gone? Um, but then I would see my sister asking for money, and he'd be like, yep, that's okay, because actually you are not working 
And honestly, the lesson that that taught me was mm-hmm. so invaluable to my whole life. Like I, I know obviously if I've got a bit of extra money, I can spend it. But I like to save as well, and I like to understand that if we don't have money, then we can't we can't do what we want to do, or we can't do certain things. And I think that's been really important. Um, so I would definitely say to my daughter. Uh, if she's not sure, go and take some time out or go and try loads of different things and, and see how you feel later on. Because I think that actually having the life life skills of being a little bit older makes it much easier in university. I know I, like, I only found the last year quite difficult um, purely because I was starting to get bored of just studying. I was starting to plan for after after my degree and things and so I found that really hard to kind of balance it and kind of keep the motivation going Mm -hmm. but up until then I loved it and I loved getting all the extra knowledge and just feeling really like I'd done something and like like I knew why I could like I could argue my point better and when I was speaking to people in my team I could discuss it with them in a more informed way as well which was really like amazing because previously I would never have done that yeah yeah, it was good. And, good. and you're managing a team right now, is that correct? At no. the moment, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how many yeah, how many people yeah. is that? Um so at the moment I'm kinda of mixed with another person. So there's sixteen on the team in total, but in my individual team once we split, I think there's gonna be about eight. So what has kind of been your biggest takeaway about managing people? Because all different kinds of personalities, like I've never managed yeah. people before. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> like, so are, are the adults harder than the kids? To, like, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I think it's one thing that I think is really important is understanding that not everyone sees the world or understands the importance of the task as much as you might. So understanding that people put different priorities on different tasks is quite an eye opener, um, and obviously, like different people react in different ways. Um, so, like previously, when I was younger, maybe I would say something to somebody in the same way that I would speak to my sister, um, and obviously, you can't do that with <laughs> just anybody. So that was quite an eye opener, like having somebody then kind of kicking back and being like no hold on a minute you can't speak to me like that so it's, it's quite interesting I think it's it's yeah like I, I love it I love leading the team and um, being part of that and just empowering other people with knowledge and things and and just being enthusiastic about it but it definitely comes with challenges at times but it's, it's interesting it's good it's good fun yeah awesome so as we record this it's April 10th uh we are I mean, I'm about a month into self-isolation and COVID-19. Is, is it about yeah. the same timeline for you? So we are coming up to the third week, I think, coming up to the end of the third week. Yeah. And um, it's always a bit of a blur. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, yeah. for sure. Well, and so yeah. I'm really conscious, that obviously huge impact on adults because, you know, financially for many of us, we've lost our jobs or our income has changed. And so huge stress in that front kids are at home for parents that have their kids with them um but then also like you know you're specifically talking about that like working with that three to five age group how do we talk to our kids about COVID because I'm kind of thinking about how I talk to the kids and I'm like 
Oh, yeah. I hope I'm not doing more harm than good. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I think it's a tough one because I think, like, obviously on the news programs, definitely in the UK, like every single day there's the update of the daily death toll, and that's really like a hard thing, um, even as an adult, to, to fully understand that and not become desensitized from it. Mm-hmm. So I think. Obviously, for a child, I think it's really important to say to the children, okay, there, there is something going on. There's there's a bug going around. It's really dangerous. That's why we need to just keep away from other people. We need to make sure we're keeping ourselves safe by washing our hands, keeping ourselves clean. Um, but I really think going too far into it with children can actually be quite scary. And I think especially for the kind of three to five age group, I mean, that's when they start having quite vivid dreams Mm -hmm. and they start remembering things and part of like you don't want them remembering this time is a scary Mm -hmm. really hectic time and stressful as well because that's not really what we want it to be about at the end of the day obviously it is scary it is stressful for adults um but as much as possible i think we need to try and not not shield the children because it's very difficult to shield them from certain aspects of it but basically to give them as much information as they need but other than that I think we need to draw a line when the children are around because it can become a much bigger thing and I, I was thinking about this yesterday actually and my um, my granddad who passed away a couple of years ago he used to quite um, in the last few years of his life would talk to us about being a child in the war so at that time he was kind of about three to five maybe we were older um and his best memories or his memories of that that he's shared with us anyway are going collecting the cocoa and the sugar <laughs> from the shop and walking up the roads licking his fingers with the cocoa <laughs> and honestly like that memory that he shared with us was so vivid and he would be like smiling and laughing and he really loved it but the thing is, that time in those children's lives was a really scary time. Mm-hmm. And if anything, obviously this is a scary time for our children, but if anything, it was worse for them because there was bombs going off and there was loud noises all the time. and So it's a bit more scary. But I think we need to just put it into perspective for a child and actually think, right, how do I want my child to remember this? Because this will be something that our children talk to their kids about. And that's what I think is really important is that in years to come, they'll be asking us, what did we do then? How, how did we cope with that? And and what, what did, how did you keep me busy? Or what kind of things did we do? Um, and you want them to kind of remember the the happy parts of it because I think it's very easy to dwell on the, the sadness and mm-hmm. the, the, the difficulties and things. But actually, I think it's really important to remember the happy times. Um, so, for example... For my daughter, since she was born, I've been keeping a diary of like photographs and just different things that we do throughout her kind of two years or almost two years of our life. Um, and I spoke to my husband about it, saying, "Look, how how do we do we put this into the diary? Do we talk about it?" And he was like, "Yeah, just pop it in, but keep it quite light um, and just put in little updates and things." So I've actually started making little um, kind of weekly plans. So that's something that I'll put into her little diary so she sees that on that week that's the kind of things that we were doing. Um, And at no time during the day, I mean, she's quite little, so she's only coming up for two. 
but at no time during the day does she know that I'm stressed or because I'm trying not to think about it. Like I, I mute my phone, so there's no there's no news updates coming on. The TV's off, so yeah, I just try and keep it quite light and and happy yeah. times. So because it's hard. I think that's challenging for some parents because I know like ones who are facing financial distress, like I think yeah. that's a very uh-huh. hard thing to manage yeah. uh, uh-huh. your stress around that. And, and obviously you're not saying to your kids, I've lost my job. I don't have any money. Like, yeah. obviously you're not saying yeah. that, but yeah. like the physical impact of that stress yeah. and the mental impact is really hard for parents. And uh-huh. then I think of, you know, you and I were just talking before we hit record of what it's like mm-hmm. to try and work from home with yeah. one with one child right and then I then yeah. I, I know parents yeah. with school age children who are trying to uh-huh. work from home and school yeah. their kids and get enough hours done in a work day so how do you yeah. like how do you I shield them from that, that stress yeah because I mean it's tough I've seen a lot of things on like social media and things with kind of like um home school plans but actually I, th- I think again the most important part of that is to look after your child's well-being because then I saw something else saying that actually the children, our children, might come out of this better because as much as academics is important, so is well-being. Um, so it's really important that we have a good mental health with our children um, but also ourselves. And that's where I would say the outdoors is a really good way to connect and kind of switch off from everything else is to go into some local woodland or even your garden and just take a bit of time and just try and forget everything else and focus on the here and now with your child um just kind of relaxing a bit because I think sometimes you can go into the woodland I know definitely for me if I'm stressed or if I'm finding something difficult I'll go for a walk in the woods and then I'll even just look up at the trees and just breathe in that fresh air and I'll come back and I'll feel better. And I know it sounds like a really kind of quick fix, but honestly, I think in the end, it, it really helps because you're you're looking after yourself, you're getting your exercise, you're feeling a bit better about life. You're, you're actually almost more able to think in a kind of straightened way, I think, and it's just giving yourself that time to, to kind of, gather all your thoughts really um but I think with older children definitely I I definitely find at the moment I probably have it easy compared to some families because I know that I maybe don't have the financial worries at the moment because I've still got my job um and I don't have multiple children with some younger ones and some older ones I've only got one so definitely trying to juggle that and trying to work out how to get them doing their homework or doing the work that they need to do is hard. But I think that if the children are not able, because I mean, remember that it's very different for the children as well. The children are not used to having their parents as their teachers. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's yeah. very different. And I think actually to be able to say, do you know what, today we're not going to be doing the, the maths worksheet that we're we had planned let's do a baking activity instead and let's look at the maths in that or the thing is we need to remember as well is that children don't just learn in school or in nursery they learn everywhere so every single thing that you do in the home or out for a walk the children are learning all the time 
as long as you're having these quality conversations with them and you're really discussing ideas with them and just talking to them, they're going to be learning. And actually some of that might be more beneficial to them in the long term because they're learning life skills and they're not necessarily learning academics that are going to allow them to pass a test. But learning life skills will help them to then go back to school and feel like they can cope with it because they've had a time off that actually they've not been pressured to do stuff that they're finding hard. Because children are not going to be able to learn from a worksheet if they're not in the right mental Mm -hmm. space, basically. They need to have their well-being looked after and the, the adults around them need to understand that they can't children can't cope with it just like adults are finding it really hard to work from home when they're not used to it children are finding it really hard to to be schooled from home yeah and they're not used to it so it's just about taking that step back i think and just looking at the whole importance of yeah it's, it's funny I feel like the best thing we can teach ourselves as adults and our kids right now is emotional regulation totally totally emotional regu- regulation and being resilient um, caring for others understanding the importance of caring for others and even just being thankful and thankful for, for what you've got um, and understanding that not everybody's got the same as what you've got or they've not all got the comfortable house or the food on the table every single night, that actually being thankful for that is in itself a really good life skill. Yeah, I love it. We're just going to take a really quick break from this interview because I want to let you know about an upcoming free webinar that I am running. So it's on April 19th, which is Sunday. So if you're listening to this episode, the day it comes out, it's only a few days away. Now, this webinar is all about building resilience during COVID-19. And I know that sounds like a big task. But I swear we break it down into tangible, easy steps to help you manage your stress right now. Now, this is a completely free webinar. It's going to run from 7.30 p.m. until 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. But if you cannot make it live, that's okay because anyone who registers for the webinar on Eventbrite is going to get a free uh, access to the replay and the resources. So you can be anywhere in the world in any time zone, as long as you have registered for this webinar, you will get access to the replay and the resources. So you can find that by going to the show notes today, which are at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast dash 155. Or I've also included a link to the webinar in the description of wherever you're listening to this podcast. Honestly, this past month has been wildly stressful for so many individuals, myself included at times, particularly with the finances. So I think this is a really great opportunity for us to look at how we can build our resilience. This could potentially be months of disruption, but we have the ability to come out of this stronger than ever. And I want you to be in that category. So again, if you want access to this free webinar, you can get uh, a link to it at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast dash 155, or you can find it in the description of wherever you're listening to this podcast. Everyone who registers gets the replay. So thank you so much. And let's go back into the interview with Lindsay. (music) 
Well, let's dive more into outdoor play because I feel like in the last few years, you have become, um, I say this in a nice way, like fanatical about it. Like you absolutely (laughs) are so passionate. (laughs) Like you're bringing home twigs and you're making all sorts of toys from outdoor. Like tell me about why outdoor play is so important. Oh, I just love it. It makes me happy. Like honestly, so in my previous position, um, we used to visit the woodland quite regularly. And this was before I had my child. So we used to go up quite a lot. And then it became very apparent that I was very keen on it, purely because I I recognised what the children were getting out of it. Like I saw children who would maybe struggle inside an indoor setting and they would be quite chaotic. They would find it really hard to self-regulate and to be around others. But in woodland settings, it can be completely different for these children because there are no walls, there are no specific kind of physical boundaries. There's the trees, there's the sky, and there's they can see for miles. And honestly, these children would just be so calm. And it was amazing. And I think there was just a light bulb that went on. But I think also because I was doing my degree at the same time, it gave me the chance to actually study it a bit more and to really home in on what it was that was so amazing about children being outside and spending the time outside. Because, I mean, I was a very outdoors child anyway cause, because that's the the kind of 90s child where we were <laughs> out all the time. And, you know what I mean? And that was normal. But now there is a, an outdoor play kind of thing. And actually, outdoor play was just play for us. Yeah. And that's what I find really interesting that it's now become this kind of hashtag that even I use. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah definitely it's just it's brilliant it's so good for children and children sleep better like there's so many benefits to it they feel calmer they they have better eyesight because their eyes aren't just focusing on the walls around them they're focusing much further so children who spend a lot more time outside do have better eyesight wow they also have i think there's there's a research study I think it's that children use five times more language than they would use so they they would use outside than they would use insides Um, and I think that's a really interesting concept because even things like like in Scotland we have about five million different words for rain but actually to think about that for a child it's amazing the differences that happen in one day so like for example I was outside this morning it was really cloudy and quite overcast but now it's really sunny and it's starting there's a bit of a breeze so then you can talk to the children about that because it's always changing and that's the thing that I find so amazing about outside is there's always a difference whereas when you're inside it's always going to be the same Unless you kind of move the furniture around, that's fine. But the actual physical building is always going to be the same. And I just find it amazing that outside things change all the time. And um, like with the seasons and the flowers coming up and it's it's just brilliant. It's lovely. I just find it really calming. (laughs) Do you know, it's funny that you say that because like across the street from us, we have this fairly like it's a field. So there's not Uh really anything in it. And so in my mind, Uh it's quite boring. And yet we've had some, so there's been a lot of snow and then we've had some nicer weather the past couple of days. So everything's melting and Uh freezing and melting and freezing. And we were walking back from day home yesterday and my son's like walking through this, 
like it's sort of like ice, but you can see the water beneath it, and sometimes yeah. his foot goes through, and he's just fascinated uh-huh. by it. So I see what you're uh-huh. saying that like the exact same environment changes day yeah. to day, and it's yeah, you know, I kind of. And then when I get into it and I do it with him, I'm like, oh, this is kind of yeah. fun. And it reminds yeah. you of being a kid. But like, I, it's so easy as an adult to write off, write it off and be like, come on, we got to go. We got to yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, totally. But if you stop with your children and have these like little like wow moments with them, like you really get into it because it, like you say, it does, it reminds you of being a child and the best time in our lives was probably when we were children, having yeah. fun and playing and, and just recognising things that we've never seen before or trying to work out these these kind of science concepts of water freezing and and just working it all out and I think that actually is lovely it's, it's really amazing when you see a child see something for the first time like my little girl she's fascinated by puddles absolutely fascinated by them and she'll spend a good 10 minutes on our walk and just jumping in the same puddle for ages and she loves it um, but I know that some, some parents might not encourage that because it might get dirty or wet or whatever but I try and make sure that she's fascinated by it as much as I am because I'm like come on it's fun it's good fun <laughs> yeah oh it's great so part and part of it is that patience right like I I was yeah. saying uh I think I said it on Instagram this week that I'm doing things that I never used to do as a parent right like because yeah. it's like yeah that giant puddle usually be like no we need those pants for tomorrow or whatnot sorry yeah. For the listeners, I'm not sure where you are, pants in Canada are trousers. If you're listening in the UK, I am not talking about my child jumping in his undies, just to be clear. Uh, But, you know, normally I'd be like, we need to keep those clean for tomorrow. I wouldn't want him to, like, go overboard. Now I'm just like, whatever, I've got more time for, like, laundry's easier, we're home. Yeah. Uh, One thing I was going to say is that something that I, I keep my child in waterproof trousers quite a lot. Yeah. So she wears them pretty much all the time, and that actually helps a lot. And it it, it kind of releases the fear of her getting dirty or like wet all the time. That actually she can she can do what she wants in these waterproof trousers just to be barrier, and it helps. It definitely helps your sanity. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you have a very clean house, so yeah. Um, well, <laughs> you do <laughs> Com- compared to us for sure. <laughs> So what about if you're, what's your advice for parents who are like, I'm living in an apartment complex in an urban setting, playgrounds are closed, how do I get outdoor timing? That's a hard one because I think that probably if you're in kind of an apartment and it's very urban around you, I think just going for a walk, just taking the children, obviously you don't want to be going too far because that's not what what the point of this is um so we try and stay very local if we are going out we go to woodland that's very local it's walking distance um and so if there are any things like that then that's that's a good way of doing it other ideas are if you can sometimes if you are able to go out for these walks in the woodlands gather up some of the stuff so like take some leaves take some sticks back and play with them like obviously it, it depends on how okay you are with doing this in your apartment Mm -hmm. but make a space and just play with them indoors and that's still given the natural kind of feeling of being in the kind of outdoor world but obviously it's difficult when parks are closed as well but as much as possible I would say try and go out for a walk 
near woodland if you can. Mm-hmm. That's that's just my my look on it because I see woodland and like forest areas and kind of ponds and things is really fascinating for children because they're so different from what some children are used to um and so if it's, it's it's a difficult one because some children may not visit these things as a normal day-to-day mm-hmm. whereas I know that my little girl's really used to it and so I'm quite comfortable with her walking off ahead of me because I know that she is very comfortable in that setting but I do know that there are children who if they're not out in woodland on a regular basis they can actually find it quite scary mm-hmm. because it's quite overwhelming um, so that's where kind of building it up slowly and doing small things with them or maybe just visiting a like a local tree if there's a big tree beside you go and play under that and go and see what kind of treasures you can find because I know that my little girl loves to find little things and put them in her pocket mm-hmm. um, so it can be like pine cones or like special leaves or feathers anything like that that you can do on your walks and things just bring some of it back and then try and see what you can if you can make anything with it or if you can talk about it because again that's bringing in the language of the outdoors um, and then the children are still learning I mean that's the thing the children are learning all the time mm-hmm. but to bring in these little experiences it just adds different words to their language and different aspects to their learning yeah okay I love it um so I also want to ask you um again for all these parents who are now at home and are not used to entertaining or educating their like keeping their kids occupied all day What are some, like, good activities? We're going to link to some of them in the show notes. Um, What are some good activities that aren't, like, crazy amounts of setup? Because I don't know about you, but I've tried a few things lately where I'm like, they're going to love this. And I spend 20 minutes setting it up and they do, like, five minutes. And I'm like, you have broken my heart into tiny pieces. (laughs) Yeah. So one thing I would say is that, so the first week of our lockdown that we had in the UK, I didn't really have a plan because I was like, I don't need a plan. I'm like, I, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> but then actually it went really badly <laughs> because I was trying to do too much and trying to cram in loads of different activities. Um, and actually I was becoming really overwhelmed. And I know that my child was becoming overwhelmed because she started having a few more tantrums. Yeah. And I was like, this just isn't like, this isn't normal life. Like we wouldn't try and do 10 things in one morning. It's not yeah. normal. So um, I would say one of the biggest things to do is to set out like a, a, a rough plan. So basically my plan has like the days of the week and then it's got maybe a morning activity and an afternoon activity. And they're kind of based on like my child's level, like age. Um, but obviously it depends on how old your children are to what kind of activities you might do. But definitely try and focus on one thing um, in the morning and one thing in the afternoon and then it means you're not trying to do too many so what I would say for different activities that you could do because bearing in mind as well as the children may not be interested in the things that you're deciding for them to do <laughs> so for example I've been putting out quite a lot of messy play activities with kind of shaving foam um, and just adding bits and pieces, and my little girl was not interested one bit, literally <laughs> looked at it and walked away, and then left. Honestly, I was like, okay, that's fine. So 
one thing to remember as well is that even if you set up these things, your child might not want to do it, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you failed in your activity for that morning or that your child's being really annoying. It just means that <laughs> at that moment they're not interested in what you think they're interested in. So something that we do as practitioners is we obviously do quite close um, observation of the children to see what they're interested in and then that's how we take their learning further but I'm not saying that parents are going to do that but obviously if you notice something that your child's showing quite a strong interest in try and work out little ways of how you could extend that so for example um, my little girl at the moment is obsessed and I mean completely obsessed with the tiger who came to tea story mm-hmm um, she absolutely loves it. So, like, we've got lots of little wooden animals and things. We ended up adding to the animals that she has and bought her a little tiger, basically to extend the learning that she had. So then we've done little tea parties inside. We've done them with building dens. Um, we've done them outside. We did one in our room, and she absolutely loved it. So even just doing it in a different way, so taking something they are interested in and then moving it further so like the key party was quite a good a good way to extend the learning and just talk to her about it in different ways um so yeah that's one thing so another good one is um sometimes we get kind of flowers and we might have flowers in the house quite often I know I don't always but recently I have been just because I've been spending more time at home so I want to make the house look a bit prettier but obviously when the flowers are beginning to kind of wilt you might normally throw them out and put them in the bin. But I've been trying to save the petals and just add them to Ivy's little outdoor kind of kitchen that she's got. Um, so she's got like a little mud kitchen that's all, she's got extra mud, she's got uh, <laughs> pots and pans, spoons, loads of different things that she can do her thing in. And that's, I would say that is the space that she uses every single day. So that's a really good one. Um, but keeping the petals just adds something different, adds a bit of colour and a bit of texture. And you can again talk about all the different aspects of that as well. Um, so that's a nice one. Another good one that I like, I used to do this with a, a lot of older children, is getting huge bits of paper, like I mean like wallpaper sized paper and just running it along. I mean you can do this inside or outside, running it along a stretch of space and just giving them pens and they will spend ages mm-hmm. on it because it's a massive sheet of paper and it's just blank and they love that. Children love like a blank space that they can start to draw on. And so that's a that's really good fun to do that. And, and it's nice to see their different ideas across a whole massive page. I mean, you might not keep it at the end of it, but you may want to keep it and just talk to them about it later on. Because sometimes as well, the process is sometimes more important than the product at the end. So you might have all these great ideas of building things or making things, but actually at the end of it, it's not the product that's really important for the children. Sometimes actually the process of making it and the process of talking it through mm-hmm. and working it through is more important than the end product. Well, and that stretch um, of paper thing is reminding me, like, that's great for all ages because when I, my brother and yeah. I are six years apart. 
Um, and I yeah. remember one of my favorite things, I think he only did it two or three times, but it absolutely made uh-huh. my life was my mom would get yeah. these long sh- stretches of craft paper that would go the entire length of my room. I was much younger, so I was not a great artist, but my brother who was six years older, he would draw the characters from Cinderella for me, like all the mice and all oh, the things. So and it would lovely. and it would be in my room. So it was really an activity for him, but I got so much joy because it would go in my room. And yeah, so it's like you can nice. almost in, have multiple siblings involved in yeah, at different carefully. levels in that one thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because in my previous position, I was in an after-school club. So we had children from age three right up till 12. And we would sometimes have maybe 10 children working on the same piece of paper. But because it was massive... They, they all had their own space and they, they loved it because they could talk to each other about it and they could just work out their own little spaces and things. It was really good and it was nice a nice collaborative way for them to be together. Um, so that's a nice one. Um, if you are going out to woodlands, you could do journey sticks. So basically you get your child to choose a stick in the woods and then if you take some sticky tape and maybe some string with you, you can put the sticky tape around the top or wherever you want and they can stick things to their journey stick as they're going through the woods and collect nice things and that that's a good one as well as nice fun thing to do well and you know um, one of the things i think i'm literally just going to tell listeners go to Lindsay's. uh Twitter feed because uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking at it right now and yeah. <laughs> like literally with the same outdoor supplies as in mud twigs yeah. whatnot yeah. you have done like a million different activities and yeah. I'm already like, okay, I've got lots of great options here. And you've got some great, like when you're talking about this outdoor kitchen, like there's some great pictures yeah. of it for people to get a sense of it. Cause like, we're definitely like, yeah. if, if playgrounds are closed for the summer, how can we yeah. make our backyard more enticing for our cha- children? Yeah. yeah. Cause definitely like, I think as well with the mud kitchen that I've made, I know some people will go out and maybe spend a lot of money buying mud kitchens, but actually you don't need to mm-hmm. um, because all the stuff that I've used for my mud kitchen have been recycled um, and it's like tires and with, with buckets in for water and sand and it just makes it a lot more usable, but also it's easy to move it as well because um, we had our sand and water down at another part of the garden, but I, so I said to, to my husband, look, let's make it a little bit bigger so she's got more room. Um, and it was really easy just to move it and just move it around and make it a bit more interesting for her. Um, but yeah, definitely like having pots and pans and spoons and mud, the children will come up with endless opportunities for that. And yeah. sometimes you can add maybe herbs to it and just add different things at different times and they'll produce new things. Because yeah. um, I know my girl at the moment, she's really loving like pots or like, um, what they call like bottles like yeah. she loves having a bottle with everywhere so we've got loads of different size bottles in our mud kitchen so that th- that in itself could become like a mass activity yeah. and I'm not saying I want to do a mass activity with a little two year old but these concepts are teaching the children about maths yeah. and teaching them about volume and and size and water and what happens when you pour the water out and and then you've got less and so all these things all this language can come in to when the children are playing with these things and then later on when they're older when they're back at school 
they'll have all this language already and they'll understand it in a more real way as well. Yeah. Because I mean, that's the other thing is children being at home, they might be able to learn all the things that cover the curriculum, but in real play or real experiences. Yeah. And we always say that real experiences are more beneficial to the children because then they're they're able to see it and understand it better. Yeah. Um, and they can ask the questions as they're doing it as well. So it's not necessarily they're writing a worksheet and then they don't understand it, but then they don't understand, they don't know the questions they want to ask because they don't fully get it. Whereas if you're doing it there and then, like with with your baking activity, doing your maths or whatever, they can ask the questions because yeah. they're seeing it and they're seeing how to work it out. So, yeah, but definitely if have a look at the Twitter feed yeah. and see what kind of things I've put on. I, I have a um, last yeah. question before we move into the final five. Again, for a lot of parents who are like, we are not used to being home 24-7 with our kids, how do we encourage solo play? Because I have, I absolutely adore my children, but I also yeah. need some time just to yeah. like read a book or just make dinner yeah. or whatever. And they're, and they're always wanting to be around you. How do you really encourage yeah. that individual play? So I would say like in that kind of sense, like set up a little play activity. Cause I think this is something that we find as well in settings is that actually you have to set up kind of, we call them provocations or invitations to play. And it's basically little things that are a bit different from what they would normally set up themselves. But you might put out, so like, for example, with Michelle being interested in the tiger who came to tea, we were setting up um, kind of tea parties for her downstairs, and then she would come down from her nap, and they would be there already. So she may show an interest in them, but she may not. So, but it's given her an idea of how to play with some of those things. And then, so initially when we were setting them up, she wasn't interested, she would just leave them. But now she's actually setting up her own tea parties <laughs> and doing it on her own. So she'll sit at the dining room table and she'll sit with all of her animals and she'll be feeding them like cups of coffee or, or like loads of different <laughs> things. That idea has come from previous ideas that we've maybe planted a seed do you see what i mean so yeah, it yeah. takes time but definitely setting up little activities for them um or like doing things that you know at the moment they're really interested in and gradually moving away because i mean the thing is a child being bored is not a bad thing mm-hmm. a child being bored is a child who is learning about how to be creative and they're, they're building their imagination. There's loads of things a child can do if they are technically bored. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. just different things. Um, and even like putting books out alongside your your provocations. So we might have put out the Tiger Who Came to Tea with that one. Or if we were doing a zoo, we might put out one of the zoo books. I can't remember any off the top of my head, but I know there is some. Um, and even like the giraffe ones, the giraffe can't dance. Um, we might put like music out and have the giraffe sitting there. Just all these different kind of new, new play experiences for them that they might be interested in. Or, or again, going back to the sheet of paper, if you're wanting ten minutes to have a cup of coffee, put out the sheet of paper, start drawing a little bit. They might then get engaged, and then you can move away. Just, um, just be very careful, as I've ended up with markers yeah. on my walls. <laughs> Yeah, I had that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't, we won't talk about that. 
<laughs> washable markers only wet wipe takes it right off yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the I love the idea, like, and the and the reassurance that like it might not work the first time, but create these, plant the seeds. I really like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move into the final five that we ask all of our guests. So we may have touched on this, but like, what kind of things or projects, personal, professional, get you like really fired up in a good way? Okay, so I think the biggest thing that gets me really fired up is seeing something through to the end, something that I'm really interested in. So, for example, um, like it's mostly work-related, um, but obviously my child is my world, so yeah. she comes in too. <laughs> but in the past, I've, I've worked on building an after-school club from scratch where we had a whole new team, we it was a new building and, and new children and all of a sudden we were thrown in and being able to see that grow and the team working really well and it just becoming really easy and I know that sounds terrible because it shouldn't like it shouldn't be easy all the time but being able to see that work I yeah. love that I love the I love seeing like working really hard and really really working hard to get something to work how you want it to work and when it when it does it's brilliant it's such a good feeling because you know it's working you can see that people are happy and I just love that I, I love yeah that kind of thing and also like being a leader um and seeing staff members really like flourishing I love seeing other people feeling empowered and like getting excited about stuff and because if if I'm showing excitement about something and then somebody else takes it on further I love that I think yeah. that's brilliant that's awesome I just, uh, yeah I get really excited about that <laughs> as you should so what's one of the most inspiring books that you've read in the past few years okay that's a good question um definitely so this is an outdoor book, surprisingly. <laughs> um, the Nursery School by Margaret Macmillan. So she is a prominent theorist in outdoor play and kind of outdoor well-being. Um, she discusses quite a lot about how children can't focus fully if their well-being needs are not met. So she was one of the founders of an outdoor nursery. So it was, she called it an open-air nursery. So they basically had kind of shelters, but every side of the shelter was open. Mm -hmm. So the children would sleep under the shelter, they may eat under the shelter, but they were out in the open. So it means that they're getting the fresh air, they're getting the mental well-being, and then also she had she kind of closed a lot of them as well because this was back in I think it was the 1800s um but yeah so she definitely saw that children needed to be fed like watered clothed and then out in the open air to be able to then learn and go further and I just think that's it's just amazing like I love that theorist I think she is amazing um, and I wrote about her a lot in all of my outdoor essays for, for university and she just helped underpin my understanding of it and my passion for it. I love it. Um, well, we'll so link yeah, to I, it in the show notes for sure. What are we, so we've talked about getting outside in the woodlands for some fresh air, but what are some of your other go-to strategies for handling stress? Okay, I would say switch off your device. Yeah. <laughs> and people say that, but even just... Um, if you're finding something a bit overwhelming, mute it, put it away, read a book. Um, because I know that a few weeks ago when we did go into lockdown, it was very hard because 
we weren't used to working from home and then on top of that I had my child at home so I needed to try and work out how I could get the work in but also not become overwhelmed because I think it's very easy to become overwhelmed at the moment mm-hmm. um, so I definitely found like going for like my Friday night bath and just chilling out having some chocolate <laughs> <laughs> um, and just taking the time just to relax and turn everything off so that you don't need because at the end of the day at the moment unless we are a doctor or nurse or NHS or whatever um, healthcare person we are not absolutely to be all and end all and I think that's something that we need to remember is that actually if something can wait let it wait until you're in a better headspace because otherwise you won't be producing the work that is of quality and it's much better just to take the time out and really deal with your emotions at that point and then come back to it when you're ready because otherwise it's not really beneficial and I think just taking that time out and enjoying a bit of chocolate or a bath (laughs) or reading a nice book is quite good Um, yeah (laughs) I love it Uh, what's one of the best life lessons you've learned or advice that you've been given Okay, um, I would definitely say I, if I want something, I have to work hard for it. Um, I have to really understand that I can't get everything given to me because not many people do. Um, so I definitely have lived by that, that if I really want something, I need to work for it and I need to build myself up. I need to understand that not everyone sees the world the way I see it. So I need to make them understand the way I, not necessarily change their mindset, but make them understand why I'm so so enthusiastic about certain things. Um, And then it makes them a bit more understanding of me because everyone's individual. So I think it's important that um, life lessons are definitely something that's, yeah, that's followed me through. Yeah. (laughs) The work hard. (laughs) I, no, you're so right. Like we don't, um, and it can be hard right now because not right now, but like it can be hard in general because we live in this like instant gratification society, right? So you okay. want something and you uh-huh. want it now, and it gets frustrating if you yeah. can't get it. Yeah. But it's um, no, you're right. And the final yeah. question, Lindsay, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? That's that's a it's a really interesting one because definitely since having my daughter that has changed dramatically yeah and uh, my best life previously would be again working really hard gaining really good feedback from my work but now it's definitely having that work-life balance and understanding the importance of that when I'm home there's no work that I am fully with my child and really enjoying being with her and seeing her grow and just yeah, watching her and understanding I think the work-life balance is a massive importance to me um, and being able to switch off when I'm at home with her um, and that's why it was so hard the first couple of weeks trying to juggle both because I think I'm not, I'm not used to that mm-hmm. so it was interesting trying to juggle that and just being like you know what this isn't important right now whereas my child at the moment is very important so she's here she's the now deal with that now and then when I'm ready go back to um the work if needed (laughs) yeah so yeah it's and it's such an important one that like 
I think most of us struggle with at different points of our lives or in different jobs or yeah. in different uh, phases. So no, you're absolutely right. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for coming on the podcast. I've greatly appreciated it. Chatting. Big thank you to Lindsay for coming on the podcast. Again, if you want to follow up on some of these resources, find Lindsay on Twitter at Lindsay J-F, L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y-J-F. She's very entertaining, got a ton of great ideas, so I highly encourage you to check it out. And again, if you want to register for the free webinar this Sunday, you do not have to be there live. You just need to register and you will get access to the replay. So find the link for that at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast dash 155 or by going to the link in the description wherever you are listening to this podcast. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Stay strong. You've got this.